Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It is Thursday, June 18th. I'm Wayne Pratt. A fired Florissant police officer has been charged with first-degree assault after video emerged of a man being hit by an unmarked police vehicle. Joshua Smith was fired from the department days after the incident. St. Charles County Prosecutor Tim Lomar says that vehicle was used as a deadly weapon. The moment that vehicle turned its headlights towards the victim, that became a 4,000-pound missile. Uh, So that's our dangerous instrument. We will have more on that decision in just a bit. Also, St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan reports on families who can't visit loved ones in prison during the pandemic. As we mentioned, the St. Charles County prosecutor has charged a fired fluorescent police officer with first-degree assault. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports Joshua Smith is accused of driving an unmarked police vehicle into a man. Prosecutors also charged Smith with armed criminal action and fourth-degree assault. The charges come more than a week after a video surfaced showing Smith hitting the man with his car. This week, a second video showed Smith getting out of his car and kicking the man. Florissant Police Chief Timothy Fagan fired Smith last week. Fagan says Smith's actions were unacceptable. In the event that our officers step outside of their duties and they do things that they should not, they will always be held accountable as every other citizen and every other member of the public. St. Charles County prosecutors took over the case after St. Louis County prosecutors cited a conflict of interest. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. Police officers in the city of St. Louis will soon be equipped with body and dashboard cameras. The city's top three elected officials have voted to approve a five-year, $6 million contract with a Georgia-based company for the equipment and technological support. Board of Aldermen President Lewis Reed has been lobbying for body cameras since 2014. We need to find ways to heal the divide that exists between law enforcement and the community. Body cameras have been one of those things that have at least helped a little across the country. The rollout of the 800 body cameras and 200 vehicle cameras will start next month. The state of Illinois will soon lay out guidelines for students returning to the classroom this fall but some details are already known. Sean Crawford reports. The list is yet to be made public, but at a State Board of Education meeting, it was announced face masks will need to be worn by students and staff, and social distancing will be encouraged as much as possible. Schools will also be expected to do more cleaning, but State Superintendent Carmen Ayala acknowledges other protocols will vary across districts. Because Community A in Southern Illinois is not the same as Community B in suburban Illinois or in urban Illinois. Keeping kids separated on a bus won't be easy, but the plan is to require face masks for those on board along with proper ventilation. A final list is expected to be released by the end of this month. I'm Sean Crawford. A longtime Missouri resident is marking 1,000 days of living in a Maplewood church to avoid deportation. Alex Garcia is in sanctuary at Christ Church United. That 1,000-day threshold was reached yesterday. Federal authorities would likely send him back to his native Honduras if he leaves the property, even though he's been living in Missouri for more than a decade. He's married to an American and has five U.S. children. Garcia says the situation, quote, sucks, 
A thousand days is a long time. His wife Carly says it's like living on a roller coaster. For me and for the kids, trying to stay strong with what our family's going through, living in sanctuary and now a pandemic and trying to figure out how I can continue to fight for my family. Applications to have Garcia stay in the country have been rejected since the current administration took office in Washington, D.C. For many Missouri inmates, family visits are an essential lifeline to the outside world. But three months ago, the Department of Corrections suspended all in-person visits to keep coronavirus from spreading. That's left families feeling anxious about their incarcerated loved ones. St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan reports. Back in February, Tina Merriweather and her great-granddaughter took a two-hour bus trip from their home in St. Louis to the women's prison in Vandalia. They were visiting Merriweather's daughter, Latoy Williams, like they do every month. And that visit in February felt like any other. Williams colored a picture of a puppy with her granddaughter, sipped root beer, laughed with her mom. She didn't know it at the time, but it would be her last family visit for months. In March, the Missouri Department of Corrections suspended all in-person visitation due to the pandemic. I was just really frantic, like calling home, making sure my grandbaby was wearing her masks, making sure she's staying in. You know, it was just like a real thing. She's been an inmate at the prison for a year and a half. And she says seeing her family helps her feel less anxious, gives her something to look forward to. At first, William says she didn't really take the virus seriously. But then there was a suspected case of COVID-19 in her housing unit, and everyone was quarantined. You know, they came over there like immediately, come on, just go, leave your things. And then when we get over there, I mean, they in like the full body masses, like the, the white suit on, like, you know, I'm like, wow, what is happening? Since March, about 50 Missouri inmates and 40 employees have tested positive for the coronavirus, and one inmate has died. The cases have mostly been at Southeast Correctional Center, a maximum security men's prison south of Cape Girardeau. Sitting in a folding chair on her porch, William's mom, Tina Merriweather, says she worries her daughter might get sick. And when they talk on the phone, she tells her, wear your mask, wash your hands. Meriwether never knows exactly when her daughter will call, so she carries her phone with her everywhere, just in case. I can be out here taking care of business and she'll call me. I can be having a prayer service and stuff and she'll call me. I miss her so much. I really do. She'll have to wait a while longer to see her daughter. This week, the DOC extended the visiting suspension through at least June 21st. A spokesperson said they're conducting mass testing of inmates and staff and could resume visits in the next few weeks for prisons with no COVID-19 cases. Joyce Arditi is a professor at Virginia Tech who studies incarceration and family relationships. She says there's already a lot of hurdles to visiting family members in prison. It's stigmatized. There's not a lot of social support for doing this. It's not like visiting grandma in the hospital or the nursing home or other kinds of institutions where people tend to provide you know, support. And she adds that families with incarcerated loved ones also tend to be lower income and may be facing other challenges during the pandemic, challenges that could make it harder for them to keep in touch by phone or even maintain a relationship at all. 
So these are families that also might be dealing with hardships around employment, income loss, health risks, access to health resources, testing, etc. So you've kind of got a perfect storm here. Given all that, many inmates are worried about the health of their families on the outside. At the prison in Vandalia, inmate Michelle Hickman says she burst into tears when she heard that she wouldn't be able to see her husband and three kids. It's not easy being in here alone and knowing there's nothing you can do for them out there. Hickman says tensions are high inside the prison, partly because people miss their families. But she's scared that she might be putting her family at risk if they were to visit. I'm like, do I want my visit back? Yes. But I also want to concern myself with the safety of my children and other families as well as people in here. You know, so it's like, how do you move forward with something like that? Every day she waits in line, sometimes for an hour, to get a 15-minute phone call with her family. She says just hearing their voices, knowing they're okay, is what's keeping her going. I'm Shayla Farzan, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Maria Altman edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.